I am so humbled and honored to be standing here today. I have a confession to make. I could be the only inductee of this great hall who didn't make his high school football team. From the very, very bottom of my heart, thank you for honoring me today. Thank you for honoring my family. Thank you for letting me be part of this great, fantastic game of football. May God bless our troops and may God bless this world. Thank you so much. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Thanks for joining us once again on Gold Faithful 49ers radio show. With me, as always, Mr. Nick Winkler. You can find him on Twitter at Bay Area Wink. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. We got a great show lined up for you. Chris Biederman from NinersWire.com and also uh, lots of stuff to break down from the 49ers practice at Keysar Stadium I was at today, which was a really a fun time. Just a beautiful day out there, Nick. Yeah, I really can't wait to pick your brain on that because I, I got to see a lot of you know Twitter feeds and little pictures and vines and things like that. But, man, you were out there. How was it? I was there. I have the sunburn to prove it. Oh, yeah. It looked like there wasn't a cloud in the sky, man. What a perfect day. Not a single cloud, 65 degrees, uh, pretty optimal conditions out there. It was real quick. Get yeah. back to uh, to Eddie D before we move too far. Right. What a what a great weekend for him. I saw a lot of you know. Speaking of of Twitter pics and stuff like that, his uh, his celebratory party. I think it was on Friday night or something. That looked so fun. I can't imagine a place I would rather be than at that party. Yeah, and you know Eddie D knows how to throw a party, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and then just the whole debacle with the the game getting canceled, the Hall of Fame game. I, Oh, man, how mad would you be if that was your team? Because, I mean, honestly, like, this is – we'd live for this sort of thing. This is all we want. This is this is our favorite thing in the world. And, yes, it's just a preseason game. But, oh, man, I was amped up, and those weren't even my teams. Right. I was definitely ready to tune into that game. And, you know, Eddie Lacy wasn't going to play. Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to no. play. It, basically, the third stringers were starting that game. So, But for, I mean, for the casual fan – I think the preseason is probably not super exciting, but for me, I, I'm interested in the 53rd man on the roster. And so, and even on other teams, I mean, I'm doing work for pro football focus and, and RotoWire, So the league is important to me and even the bottom of depth charts around the league. So I, I'm, I'm way into that. So I've, yeah, I, I would be bummed if that was my team. They still get four preseason games though. So in the end, it's not really a big deal. Right, right. But at the same time, and I just, you know, I had it recorded. I was ready. I was popping on there. I was like, all right, I'm going to settle in, watch the, oh, what? Canceled. Ah! It's one of those things. Sometimes you get really pumped for it and you watch yeah. a quarter and then you think, eh, oh, maybe I, I don't even go think do I would have watched else. a full quarter. I just wanted to watch some football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Eddie D, man, congrats to him. He absolutely deserves it. He's the last holdover probably from that old uh, 49ers crew that we grew up watching that is now in the Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody else is going to squeak in there that's not already in. No, and, and for those of you who didn't hear uh, about the Bill Walsh bit and how he wrote a congratulatory letter for Eddie D, oh, that is such a, an amazing story. There was, And when I was looking for a clip to put in here, there was a ton of Walsh stuff, and there was just too much actually to add. We would have played the whole, the whole speech, but he gave so much credit to Bill Walsh. And to, As he should. Yeah, deservedly so, absolutely. Um, and that was really cool to see and and just remember some of those times because it's been a while and see all the guys get together. You see Montana and Rice and everybody kind of hanging out. Man, it's great. Okay, back to practice. 49ers, Keysar Stadium, you were out there. 
first off, what stood out to you? Was there any any in particular person? Was it how dysfunctional the offense was? What what would you say is like the biggest story from the practice today? Yeah, you said it right there. Well, there's a lack of tackling, obviously, a lack of contact. So the running game is kind of out the window. It's hard to really scout that sure. and look for for things in the running game and look for clues because even if the running backs would have been tackled six times, he's still running through the hole and you know trying to go. But um, and we saw a couple of those runs, but. Cap was awful. Yeah, that's was all I so kept reading. Bad. And I was expecting the quarterback situation to not really be prime. And from all the reports that we'd been getting from people throughout training camp is that it was a pretty ugly situation with the quarterbacks. And nobody was – it wasn't so much that it was a tie. It was that nobody was taking that job between uh, Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick. And uh, they split reps really evenly with the first team. And just every group and every um, every period, the other guy was taking the lead, and then the next guy would come in and take the second team reps. And Cap was just off from the very first throw when they weren't even throwing against DBs. I mean, he mm. he clunked one off the ground at the feet of Quentin Patton on just a short hook route on the left side. It's just and he was just off. Yeah, I wonder if it was a little bit of, of pressure being out there, you know, with the, the fans out there and the quarterback competition, because everything I read was that, yeah, Kaepernick looked bad, but Gabbert didn't look much better, that he was he was just checking everything down. He wasn't trying to force the issue on anything. His only touchdown went through the arms of a defensive back. Like, do <laughs> you think right. maybe it was just these guys, just the nerves got the best of them? Yeah, that's I, – I don't think so. I mean, I don't know how nerves of – that few people could get, right. you know, I, I mean, and it, it, it wasn't a full, you know, full size stadium full of people. I mean, if you, you can't play in primetime Monday night football or playoff games, if you can't handle he's our stadium in the middle of the summer when yeah, people but aren't when even going to try to tackle you. Honestly, though, when have either of these guys been in a quarterback competition? You know, I mean, Gabbert came out of college. He was pretty much the starter from the get go. He knew when he signed with the 49ers, he wasn't going to be the starter. And then, you know, Kaepernick just won the job because Alex Smith got hurt. You know, this is a legitimate, and both guys in college, I'm sure, didn't have any issues either. I'm sure that, you know, they came in as freshmen or whatever and paid their dues and then got handed the ball, or, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know that much about their college careers. Maybe they got it right away. Well, I know Gabbert, their Gabbert was, yeah, Gabbert was a huge recruit coming out of high school, so he was definitely the man on campus when he got there. Kaepernick, I'm not sure. He was a fifth-year senior, so he had a redshirt year, so he probably had to battle a little bit. But he, he ended up playing. He ended up starting at least three full seasons because he had a ton of statistics piled up. Right, so, I mean, it. a legitimate quarterback competition. Who knows the last time that these guys went through it? And maybe, you know, you, you doubt it? I, I think maybe it's a possibility. I think, and this is what I'm hoping. Better him today. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping the defense is so good. That the average, <laughs> the average offense is looking pale in comparison, right? There you go. There you go. That's, that's a great way to look at it. That's the half full scenario. And I mm-hmm. was really focused on wide receivers and, and the quarterback situation than I was on the defense. So um, if I had another couple practices to watch, I would really be able to, to look at the trenches the entire time in one practice and really focus on the defense in another. Um, so I only noticed those guys when something flashed and something happened. Right. And um, But the wide receivers weren't necessarily and this i mean there you look at the depth chart i mean that's one of the biggest pieces of news we've had this week is that an official unofficial depth chart was released by the pr staff which pretty much is based on how reps have probably been going in training camp and we're going to talk about that in a little bit but um there's there's tory smith mm-hmm. and and there's been a lot of talk about bruce ellington as the sure. slot guy 
And it's not so much when I even today what I saw is not so much because Bruce Ellington is like, you have to watch this guy. He's going to be huge in the slots because, well, he's, you know, he's the guy and he'll get those reps. <laughs> you know, I didn't see anything <laughs> special from any of the wide receivers out there. So that's another level to it. So if the defense is better than the offense right now at this stage and the wide receivers aren't helping them out, that might be adding to a lot of why Cap and Gabbard are looking really pedestrian so far in training camp. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. And, you know, since we're talking about the wide receivers, since our last show, what a bummer about Eric Rodgers, man. Yeah, that is a huge bummer. And he was somebody oh. that was tall, fast, and yeah. I think Jerome Simpson's really the only guy out there that's like him right now on the roster, and he probably looks like one of the best guys from what I saw out there today just from a height, weight, speed. Well, not so much weight. The guy's legs are thinner than my wrists. But um, – <laughs> And that's that's actually one of the biggest things that you notice when you're there in person and you're there really close is how big or small some of these guys are. Trent yeah. Brown, amongst really massive men, he just stands out instantly. Just by standing on the field, you're like, that's Trent Brown, and he is friggin' huge. <laughs> and DeForest <laughs> Buckner's really big, and Armstead's really big, but Trent Brown just is massive all around. He's a big guy, and it's not his weight doesn't look is it doesn't look bad like it might have. Uh, at some point last year, and maybe when he was in college, and he was up at 380 pounds or something like that. So, Woo! yeah, the offensive line, and Joe Staley said it after practice. Uh, he said it's going to look 10 times better than it did last year, and that oh. is really, really good news. Yeah, anything better than last season is great news. And if he is feeling that, you know, that high on this crew, then that's exactly that's music to our ears. That's what we need to hear because that was easily the worst part of this 49er football team last year. And all you keep hearing about is, is praise uh, Anthony Davis. You know, everybody's loving what he's doing. He's, he's doing all the right thing. He's moved up to second team. You got uh, Joshua Garnett. They're, they're playing him at left guard and right guard right now on the second team. So that's just another uh, promising sign there. I mean, this guy is ready to jump into either spot, I suppose. Right. And I, I assume he'll be the starter at right guard, but if something happens on the left side, he could probably slide over, be the starter at left on the left side. And they have guys they like better on the right, like Tiller be the starter there. So I'm guessing that versatility in Garnett and he's, you know, fresh off the left guard position at Stanford. So I'm sure that's a situation where they're, they're getting ready for if something and something will happen during the season where somebody's getting hurt. If Beatles goes down, Garnett can slide on over to that side. And you plug uh, whoever back in at right tackle or at right guard like Tiller, even if Garnett ends up surpassing them at the right guard position to start the season. Right. That totally makes sense. You were talking about um, Joe Staley. He was given a lot of love today, too, to the defensive line. I don't know if you saw any of that. I did. Yeah, especially uh, he's talking about Armstead as another guy who's massively improved from from last season. Yeah, held out again from practice today. I think he was held out yesterday as well. And uh, that gave rookie defensive lineman Ronald Blair some time. And even Staley gave him some love as well. It was like, hey, let's not forget about Ronald Blair, too. He's playing well. Yes, and I wish I would have been looking for Ronald Blair a little bit more. I saw him in one-on-ones when they were uh, working to the side with some of the defensive linemen versus the offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he does have a little burst. I mean, he's not big, so you hope for a defensive end. And he's going to be playing that inside position. You hope he's got a little bit of burst and a little bit of juice as maybe a pass rusher because he's not, I mean, especially com compared to Buckner and, and Dial and Armstead, he's, he's a lot smaller than those guys by about 30 pounds, probably 25 pounds. <laughs> right, right. Hey, uh, did you get a chance to see any uh, Devin Kajus? Because I know he's kind of a long shot to make this team, but I just keep hearing good things about him. You know, that I know he's probably running on the third team, but every, every day when you're reading the report, it seems like he's doing something in practice. 
Yeah, he was running on the third team, and I didn't really notice him doing much. There was a pass that went his way in the end zone. Actually, one of Gabbert's best passes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't able to corral for a touchdown when they were doing uh, down and distance drills near the goal line. Yeah, he didn't really stand out. I would say, um, actually, that was Driscoll. I'm looking at my notes right now. Driscoll was the one. He was playing with the third team quarterback. This is when they were doing 11-on-11s toward the end of practice with down and distance in the red zone. Right. And um, uh, the first first down attempt, Kajus dropped one in the end zone from Driscoll. And to be honest with you, Driscoll, Driscoll looked just as good as Cap and, and Gabbert did. I mean, if I was if this is the first time I'd ever watched any of these players and I thought, okay, you have to decide on the depth chart by watching just this one practice – I mean, it would have been probably cap third and then a, a tie between Gabbert and Driscoll for wow. the one and two spot. That's just from this practice, and Driscoll wasn't playing against the first teamers, right? So, um, yeah, but that's a good point. Yeah, it, 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 it that was you know what, and I've harped on this all year long. Last season during this show, red zone is such a huge problem for the 49ers in the past. And watching this red zone drill. That was when I really started to get bummed because that was practice had gone on. You know, everyone's kind of warmed up at the beginning. I was like, oh, Cap's just off. He bounced a pass to somebody. You know, that happens. And Gabbert was uh, in this drill because they were alternating again. Gabbert and Cap each drill. Right. One guy would start with the ones and the next guy would be the twos. This drill, 11 on 11 in the in the red zone. Gabbert was with the starters. Uh, first and goal, sacked by Ahmad Brooks. Would have been sacked. There's no actual bringing sure. to the down, uh, bringing to the ground. Uh, second and goal. Scrambled up the middle for a short gain. Third and goal, way overthrown to Smith in the right corner of the end zone. So nice. they had to settle for a field goal. Next mm-hmm. guy in, Cap, next room. Fumbles the snap. Second Ooh. fumbled snap of practice, by the way, both times when he was on the second team. Center, Marcus Martin, both times. Okay. Um, who is probably at this point not a lock and maybe a lock to not make the team. Right. With how bad he played last year and, and the numbers crunch we talked about last episode with the offensive line, Marcus Martin – uh, bouncing, yeah, bouncing snaps to your quarterback is not a good way to make the roster. No, after no, last that is the opposite tape. of what you want to do. Out right. And then so Cap, settle for a field goal. And then, uh, like I just said, Driscoll comes in. First pass he throws, should have been a touchdown. Kajus couldn't corral it. Short flat after that to Taylor out of the backfield. He goes for Bryce Treggs. I would say Bryce Treggs was the most impressive guy to me as far as the wide receivers goes, by the way. Um, and wow. I'll, get to, I'll get to him in a second. Uh, off his fingertips in the right corner of the end zone, it was an overthrown pass, but Treggs went to the ground, couldn't pull it in. And mm-hmm. then uh, last play, Mike Davis inside zone run. He went nowhere, stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and all three guys, red zone drill, all three times they had to go for the field goal. And you mentioned how bad the red zone's been in the past, but back going back to Kaepernick, for me – what's been the worst part of watching Kaepernick play quarterback is he stares down his receivers. He doesn't go to his second and third read. And that's all I kept reading about today too. There was a a great piece by Grant Cohn on the, the press Democrat. He, he said that he was, he was looking at every quarterback. He looked at Kaepernick, he looked at Gabbard and he looked at Driscoll and he was talking about how many times Gabbard went to his, you know, second check down. Then, then it was third. And then the same with Driscoll. And then they got to Kaepernick and he said, well, Kaepernick only went to his second two or three times, never went to his third check down. And, through to his first guy without looking anywhere else, without even scanning the field at all, like 75% of the time or something. He was just, he was cutting the field in half. He was only looking at one side. And yeah, I get it. It's just practice, but that that's not anything new for him. I feel like that's something Kaepernick's done a lot in the past. And ah, man, if he keeps that up, this is going to be Gabbard's job. That's been his MO. I mean, you know, yeah. not, not quick decisions. And he has that... His- Basically, his third read is the legs. So he sees yeah. something, he doesn't like it, boom, he's gone. And really, the only uh, two 
two nice plays he made in practice today was when he took off and ran with the ball. And so it's and, and, and on the flip side, that's always been Gabbert's best thing. And it's bums out some fans because they call him check down Charlie because he's he's too eager to kind of dump off and get off of that first read if he doesn't see it and then throw the ball short somewhere. But and really, that's what the offense looked like all day in practice. And we're seeing a very vanilla version of this because obviously sure. it's practice. It's still early. And we won't see it until practices are closed down. They're going to start getting into the nitty-gritty. In the first week of the season, I'm sure we're going to see something brand new that we hadn't seen throughout the first four preseason games. But right now, tons of short stuff. A uh, lot of Ellington and Treggs in the slot doing quick outs. And that was probably the most commonly thrown pass, And uh, aside from swing swing routes to the, to the running backs. I mean, uh, if you tallied up, I didn't do a tally of how many receptions guys had, but I think Treggs probably had the most catches on some short passes. And maybe mm-hmm. second to Sean Drone. You know, actually, Cone did that, and he said that Sean Drone had the most today. He caught seven passes. Yeah, so that makes sense. Field. I mean, yeah. tons of tons of short, quick passing routes to the slot guy, uh, and then occasionally they would try to do something in, uh, to the corner or, or a little bit deeper down the field. Not a lot of work to the tight ends. Couple passes here and there. Busta Anderson dropped a pass, and Busta. Um, yeah, Busta. Unfortunately. And yeah, so Ellington, the, the short, quick outs. That was the most common route from from the slot. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then this hey, one outs to the running Bruce back. Did Bruce Miller run any from the slot? He did. Uh, he was missed by, let me find this in my notes. I want to be right on this. Which yeah, yeah. quarterback it was because they were they were going back and forth. In the red zone, and he did a little uh, post route, and he was just completely missed by one of the quarterbacks. Just an, an awful pass. And now I can't find it. Oh, here it is. It was cap. It was seven oh. on sevens. They were doing down and distance about in the middle of practice and uh Cap overthrows Miller in the middle of the end zone on just a simple, I mean, just a simple post route. Just missed right. him out at the back of the end zone. Yeah. And Miller's I not mean, the biggest guy, I, but that was one of the, the, another really bad throw he had. That's a touchdown. You got it. That's a touchdown yeah. that you can't just miss. You're an NFL quarterback. Make the, make the throw. Right. Exactly. Then on the next play, Tremaine Brock made a play and they were off the field again for another uh, field goal attempt. So, and that was another time they were in the, uh, in the red zone. So it's really, he did actually, Cap hit Ellington on deeper pass on the left corner right before that Miller throw. So he did do something. He got them down there because they were they'd started that drill out closer to midfield and he got him into the red zone, but then couldn't finish it off. But yeah, you gotta score. You gotta put points on the board. But right now, looks like a dink and dunk offense from all the passing routes I've seen. Uh they're gonna use the short passing game as maybe an extension of the running game. If I had to guess, that was uh, that'd be a big part of Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, we saw the field goal game a lot last year. We also saw the punt game a lot last year. And pretty much everything I read today also had some sort of mention of our former boy, Bradley pinioned inside the 20 and his booming leg. Did you get to see any of that? Yeah, <laughs> that got some huge oohs and ahs, too, when he hit that one. He hit it. You know, the wind wasn't very strong, but in San Francisco can swirl and maybe up above the stadium might have been a right. little bit stronger. Uh, but it was a perfect spiral, and the thing just took off, kept going, kept going. They were snapping the ball at the other 30, and he kicked it into the opposite end zone. So uh, we're talking about a 70-plus-yard wow. punt. So that that was a boomer. The rest of his punts, he had another really good one that was pretty close to the goal line as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But most of them were sort of a little bit more wobbly, a little bit more hang time, landing at about the 20 or the 30-yard line. So kind of an inconsistent day there. He had the nice booming one, but some others that weren't quite as pretty and again, just looking at those um, those drills, Bruce Ellington dropped the first punt. Oh, and then uh, Acker was in there on another one. He dropped a punt. The 
the depth chart, it looks like at punt returner goes Ellington, Treggs, then, uh, no, I'm sorry, DeAndre Campbell was second, then Treggs, and then Acker. But Treggs, to me, looks, he looks even, he looks faster than, than Ellington, and he looked more decisive when he did catch the punt. I've been critical of Ellington in the past for not looking, for looking like a basketball player playing football, right? Not yeah. looking like a true football player and having tools, but not necessarily the skills that go with those tools. Treggs, to me, looks just like more of a natural player, uh, just based on, I mean, this is all based on one practice, obviously. Of course. But he's fast. He's more fluid. Ellington's a little bit of pitter-patter, right? And it, it, he kind of wants to shake guys, and he he wants to he wants to make a juke rather than just boom, boom, catch and go. And um, Treggs looks a little bit more fluid. Treggs looks really fast. So that'll be interesting. I wonder if, it, it's, if it's even possible for Treggs to maybe overcome him on the depth chart for that slot position at some point. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's something to look forward to, something to be excited about because, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Ellington. And, you know, and Quentin Patton doesn't really, you know, blow uh, blow the roof off your doors yeah, to, to steal. Nobody in this practice <laughs> a was – A wonderful phrase. And I don't know if it was just really an emphasis on the short passing game today because nobody was catching any deep passes. I think there was just one or two here and there. I mentioned the Ellington play. Uh, there was that touchdown that went through Richard Robinson's arms. That was thrown by a uh, Garrett. That should have right. been a pick. So, um, and then one of the one of the balls that Kaepernick tried to throw. And I don't know if it was even intended for a receiver. If he was trying to throw it away, but it was picked off on the left side by Ray Ray Armstrong, who looked good over there in coverage. That was pretty deep down the field for a linebacker to be. But yeah, it's it's not a lot of guys made plays downfield as wide receiver. I don't think Quentin Patton made a catch except for, and I don't think he even made one in the individual drills when they weren't being covered because Kaepernick bounced it to him. So <laughs> I don't know if he got his hands on the Yikes. ball all day long, you know? So yeah. yeah, not a lot to get excited about at wide receiver. That is a worrying some part of the, the depth chart right now and part of the roster because it's going to make things more difficult on Kaepernick and Gabbert. And if they're struggling too, you know, hopefully it's yeah. because the defense was playing so good and it's not because these guys – are, are going to really struggle all season long. But that that's, yeah, I came away more worried about the San Francisco 49ers in 2016 than I was before I saw that practice. Well, that is Brian Peacock's take on today's practice at Kizar Stadium. Let's check in with Chris Biederman. He's a senior writer and editor covering the 49ers for the NinersWire.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. You follow him on Twitter, at Chris Biederman. Chris, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for joining us. So, Brian Peacock was at practice today out there at Keysar Stadium, so we just kind of got his take on things. So I'm just kind of wondering, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. First off, what stood out for you today? Was it a particular player, one side of the ball? Was was one side extremely poor? Was one side playing extremely well? And what to you was the, the takeaway from practice at Keysar? I thought the offense was, was really bad. And uh, I think that that seven-on-seven seven stretch in the middle of practice, I think I, I had Colin Kaepernick completing five of 11 in seven-on-sevens, which is bad for seven-on-sevens, given that there's no pass rush or anything like that. Um, Kaepernick earlier in the week, it looked like he was getting his, his right arm worked on it or, or his shoulder from the training staff. So uh, I don't know if he has an issue going on with this throwing arm right now. He might just be having, you know, in baseball and spring training, you talk about pitchers having dead arm after they've been throwing for a couple weeks. And, and with Kaepernick not really resuming throwing until uh, until late June or mid or, or June, I should say, um, 
I don't know that his his arm is in great shape, and and he might be experiencing some of that, just just some general soreness. Um, but he didn't he didn't play particularly well at all today. Um, and he actually had a pretty good seven on seven session the other day, particularly in red zone drills where he threw three touchdowns, and and in team drills the Forty ers and the top two quarterbacks didn't throw any touchdown passes today. So um, yeah, I thought the offense looked sloppy. I think uh, you know the. Blaine Garrett's completions, the majority of them were all, you know, shorter than five yards away from the line of scrimmage. And it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't look great now um, for the 49ers offense. Maybe things will open up a little bit when they're actually able to run the ball and, and do some of those different things in, in the preseason. But, yeah, that's, that's what stood out to me today. And I don't know if you guys saw Bradley Pinion's punts, but uh, <laughs> it, looked like he, it looked like he found a jet stream. Uh, during the special teams periods, and uh, and he boomed some uh, some seventy plus yard punts that that ended up going in the end zone, you know, from the other side of the field. So I thought uh, I thought Pinion had a good day for uh, you know if you're looking for for an optimistic viewpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he word was... was that those those were the biggest oohs and ahs of the day were his punts. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people cheering yeah. Cap on to it, and it just was not happening for some of those fans out there. I wonder if if some of them might eventually get. Uh, converted over to Team Gabbard, but it still seems like in the crowd, anyways, uh, everyone's pretty much pulling for Colin Kaepernick, and that was a bummer of of a period for him because he did not look good. Yeah, and and we wrote earlier this week. I, my, two of my contributors wrote uh, they made the case for each starting quarterback, and uh, and it seems like given the response we got, fans are overwhelmingly in support of Cap- Kaepernick to win the job, and I just. You know, it's it's been a pretty nondescript quarterback battle so far. I think today, for for fans who have been wondering what it's looked like, I think today has kind of been emblematic of of camp as a whole. Whereas, you know, you have you have Blaine Gabbert, you know, utilizing his checkdowns and and things like that, and and Kaepernick has looked better uh, in camp than he did today. Um, but it's been it's been really hard to differentiate. So Chip Kelly has has maintained that uh, that that battle is going to be won or lost in the preseason. I I'm I'm of the mind that I think the 49ers are are leaning towards Gabbert. Um, you know, despite what Kelly says, uh but that's just kind of intuition on my part, I guess. But um yeah, it, it's it's been, you know, everyone's clamoring after every practice. How the QBs look, how the QBs look. Well, today was was kind of an example of what it's been like. It's been um pretty uninspiring by mm-hmm. from both guys. So uh, we'll we'll see how how the preseason games go starting Sunday against Houston. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is is what we saw emblematic of what's been going on all preseason long, and that is not a good sign because what I saw today was not inspiring from the offensive unit, especially from the quarterbacks. And uh, what I did see a lot of, and I'll ask you if this is a common been common throughout the uh, the preseason, is if it, it seemed like an emphasis on the short passing game like Chip Kelly might want to sort of use the passing game as an extension of the run game. A lot of really short, quick outs from the slot receivers, a lot of swing passes, or is that just Gabbert doing his check down thing? And even from Kaepernick, um, when he tried to throw the ball deep, it didn't so much work out. So he was the things that worked out for them was when, when he was completing the short passes too. Yeah, I think that's been emphasized a little bit. And I also think, you know, while reporters are out there, I think Chip Kelly wants to keep things really close to the vest. And uh, and we don't get a chance to see what they do at walkthrough uh, and things like that. So I, I I would expect the offense to look a little bit different than it did today. 
Um, I still think, you know, a, a lot of those short passes and the swing passes are, are going to be key for the offense, um, particularly as outlets. Cause I, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of these receivers are really going to be able to separate consistently against the defenses the 49ers are going to be facing. Um, so I, I think the tight ends and, and the running backs are going to be used frequently in, in some of those underneath routes. Um, I also think the cornerbacks just overall are, are much better than the 49ers receivers. And I think it's kind of impacted the, the competition at quarterback from the standpoint that not many people are getting open downfield. And there could be a case where, you know, the, the quarterbacks just kind of see the guys aren't open and, and kind of give up on their receivers uh, early in the play and then just go for, you know, what's available, which is, which is an open running back out of the backfield. So, um, I'm looking forward to, to Houston coming to town and, and practicing with the 49ers Friday because it'll be good to get a look against some different personnel and, and see if, you know, I, th- there's a chance the 49ers secondary is really good or there's a chance that their receivers are just really bad or it could be, you know, a combination of both. So I, I'm looking forward to see the 49ers go against the Texans receivers and, uh, and the 49ers receivers going against Houston's cornerbacks. So, um, at this point in camp, it's things kind of are what they are, and and hopefully you get a better idea of what's really going on when when preseason games actually start. Another thing that's going to happen for sure is there's going to be a a huge fight with the Texans. You know that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't. I, Chip Kelly doesn't doesn't seem like he'll uh, he'll tolerate much of that. And it, and it's been a pretty mundane camp in terms of guys getting into fights there's really only been one incident and it got resolved pretty quickly and there hasn't really been anything since nor was there anything in the off-season program so maybe there might be but there there aren't a ton of like enforcers on this 49ers team i would say and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but i yeah, would maybe expect that's the tempers to be pretty pretty even from the 49ers standpoint um you know we'll see i'm not super familiar with the with the personalities and on houston but we'll we'll see what happens Judging by hard knocks last year, I think the Texans will probably be looking for a fight if the 49ers aren't. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that, that, <laughs> they definitely they they definitely could be. Um, Joe Staley said it today. He said, you know, getting into a fight doesn't prove you're a good football player. Uh, when when asked about all that stuff that went on with the Redskins and and Texans last year, I would think you know a team that had that big of a brawl last year um, that was under the microscope of hard knocks might know better this year and uh so we'll see I, I don't know i don't really know what's going to happen like i said the, the 49ers aren't a team loaded with enforcers so um i'm, I'm expecting a, a relatively drama free session on friday so chris uh jump into the uh, offensive and defensive lines defensive line getting a lot of, of buzz right now uh Arm- armstead held out of practice the last couple days uh getting getting some good words about rookie defensive lineman Ronald Blair did you get a chance to uh, to see him in any drills and, and how did he look yeah you know what I, I, today with into the last couple of days with Armstead being out um, Blair really got a chance uh, to run with the with the first team in their speed package um, in their defensive front for for the first time today they had uh, the, I think after a sack in, in a second or third and long play they brought in um, Aaron Lynch Ronald Blair, Ahmad Brooks, and DeForest Buckner as their as their pass rushing front, which I think could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, the the Forty ers have you know the the under Vic Fangio and Eric Mangini they've been 
Um, and rightfully so, probably, with Justin Smith and Ray McDonald. But they haven't really changed their defensive front, even in passing situations. They've stuck with uh, four guys to get after the quarterback with, you know, Ahmad Brooks, Alden Smith, Justin Smith, and, and Ray McDonald. And, and they haven't really done a ton of substituting. And I think Jim O'Neill's going to do a lot of substituting this year, particularly just to keep guys fresh. But in long yardage situations, I think uh, a front with, you know, Lynch, Brooks, Ronald Blair, Tank Carradine, um, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, all those guys, I think you can mix and match in a four-man front and sub-packages. And, uh, and that would give the 49ers a pretty unique look. And they were, you know, they, they didn't sack the quarterback hardly at all last year. So, you know, they, they finished 28th in the league in sacks, or 29th. And um, so if, if they're going to compete this year and, you know, they're – they're going to improve their pass defense. They have to improve the pass rush, and I think DeForest Buckner will definitely help. But I think Ronald Blair is a really interesting player from that front. One thing I will say about Blair, I'm unsure how good he's going to be against the run, and I wonder if he's going to be isolated in that way or if it's going to limit his playing time as a rookie just because he's not going to be, uh, you know, he, he might not be on the field if it's, if it's you know, third and four or something like that. Just because, in, you know, you see in, in some – uh, some run blocking drills. He gets moved off the line pretty pretty easily because he's not the biggest defensive lineman. But he's a good pass rusher. He's versatile. He can he can play all four spots in in that nickel front. So I, I definitely think he's an interesting player to watch. How do you think the offensive lines coming together? With uh, Staley after practice today said that he thought. Uh, that unit could be 10 times better than it was last year, and they were awful, so there's definite room for improvement. But if you look at Anthony Davis, if he is back anywhere close to where he was, I mean, he is a first-round talent, and it's not surprising he's getting some rave reviews in camp. Um, Then you've got uh, really upgrades on every other position in the offensive line, and then Joe Staley on the other side. Uh, How much better can that line be, and can the team really depend on both sides of the trenches to become a, a respectable football team and, and really improve as a whole. Yeah, that, that I think is, is the 49ers' best avenue toward being a, a more competitive team. Um, I think Chip Kelly has a much better idea of how to utilize an offensive line than, than the 49ers' offensive staff last year when they were mixing and matching and you know ended up signing Jordan Devy at the end of the preseason and they didn't even, even give, give him any reps at right guard with the starters before – uh, the season opener, and and we all know how how well Jordan Devy worked out. Um, <laughs> I think Trent Brown is is having a really good camp, and I think he's gonna gonna make things hard on Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm actually posting a piece about or a post about Anthony Davis shortly here. Um, he just seems like a like he has a completely different focus, and uh, he, he's lost a bunch of weight. He's talking about minimizing distractions and. Um, and just being the best he can be. And so far, you know, all the, all the reviews say that that's what he's been doing. And the coaching staff is, has been really excited about what they've seen from him. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do with, with Davis and Trent Brown, because uh, one thing defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill has said is, you know, he wants the best 11 guys on the field. And I wonder if, if Kelly is going to look at the offensive line that way and say, I want the best five guys on the offensive line. Cause I'd argue that Anthony Davis and Trent Brown are two of the 49ers' best five linemen right now. Absolutely. And I wonder if, you know, there's a possibility that Anthony Davis might end up playing guard um, in, if, if he is one of those best five linemen because 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Trent Brown can play guard just given his skill set, but I think Davis would be a good fit uh, for right guard in, in Chip Kelly's scheme. And I will say, you know, there, there's been so much talking about Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Well, the guy they've really victimized and, and played well against has been Zane Beatles. And I wonder, you know, with Josh Garnett playing left guard these last couple days, if there's a chance that Garnett ends up playing left guard, uh, take, overtaking Beatles' spot, and then leaving a vacancy at right guard, whether it be Anthony Davis or Andrew Tiller. Um, and, we're, and we're probably a long way from that, and I, that could just be conjecture on my part. But um, if the 49ers are interested in, in fielding their, or starting their five best offensive linemen, I wonder if, uh, if a move to, to guard for Anthony Davis is in the cards. Hey, Chris, you can conjecture on our show anytime. Follow him, <laughs> Chris Biederman, on Twitter if you don't. You're not really a 49ers fan. You can also check out his work at theninerswire.com. Chris Biederman, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. So here we go. First week of the preseason against the Texans on Sunday. I'm excited to see oh, I'm excited to see something different on offense that I saw today at practice, but I'm right. excited to see more of what I saw from the defense at practice. So um, I think, and and he's right on, and Chris saw a lot of the things I saw, and I think it might be sort of a, a, a somewhat of a weak right, wide receiver core and just maybe, I don't know, keeping things too vanilla, and it was rough on the offense today and rough on the quarterbacks, but I'm looking for a bounce back. I want to see some some plays being made there by the offense, and I'm really excited to see what the running game looks like from an improved offensive line and Carlos Hyde and some of the other guys and they, they, you haven't really had a chance to see what that looks like with some straight-up power football because they haven't been able to hit as much and they haven't been able to tackle. So that'll be yeah. interesting to see how that the power element of the team looks. And I think Chip Kelly doesn't get credit for, for running some power elements, even though he likes to spread it out and likes to run fast. He loves to run the ball as well. So that's going to be the first thing I look for if there is some of that and if the 49ers are going to be able to run the football this year because then everything else gets a lot easier. Oh, yeah. And the sky's the limit, you know, when you're talking Carlos Hyde as well. The guy's he's electrifying, you know, and if that offensive line is great, you, you've seen what LaShawn McCoy could do, you know, early on in this Chip Kelly system. Uh, his first two years in the league, he just destroyed it, you know, getting him out in the open space. And and I'd love to see that with Carlos Hyde. But at the same time, you know, you, you look at the opposite side of that and the wide receivers. How it's just there's just nothing exciting going on there. I'm thinking what if this team isn't fully set in that respect? You know, I, I know it's a tricky system that, that Chip Kelly runs, but a lot of teams are going to be cutting guys here in the next few weeks. I think there's probably a chance that they go out and they sign, you know, one of these receivers who maybe gets gets cut by, by another team and, and they bring him in because, you know, there's not a whole lot going on right now with these wide receivers in San Francisco. Absolutely. Just this week I was thinking about that. I think I sent a tweet out, and there's a couple of guys that are, are buried on depth charts on other teams, and I'm thinking, yeah. geez, bring this guy in, Doriel Green-Beckham. Uh, he looks like he's not going to be a starter over there in Tennessee, second-rounder last year. I'd absolutely be right. trying to buy low on his talent level because that's just a big, huge body, someone that basketball athleticism to go up and get the ball, especially in the red zone. Uh, that'd be a really interesting player. It might be too soon for Tennessee to cut bait on him, but another guy is a former Pac-12 guy that Chip Kelly played against uh, over in Jacksonville that's not really getting any run at all. Uh, and that guy is Marquise Lee. Oh, right. Former USC, USC wide receiver and, and another second-round pick, and he has gotten zero run. He had some injuries his first year. He's been outplayed when he has been healthy. 
Uh, he's only in his third season, but he's somebody I'd really try to pluck away from a roster. And I know Chip Kelly's seen him play in college and might have, you know, some kind things to say about his game. But Marquise Lee might be somebody yeah, to look at if trying to bring in somebody from another roster. So who do you think is going to start this weekend at quarterback? You think uh, you think it's just going to be Kaepernick just because of his tenure with the team? No, I think Gabbert probably gets the gets the true first reps. And I wonder how they're going to split those up. I, and I would rather see them get some momentum going. I would rather mm-hmm. see a guy play a full quarter than when no. some teams do the thing where like, okay, this guy gets some reps right. with the first team, and then this guy gets some reps with the first team. I'd rather just see you know one quarter for Gabbert one quarter for Kaepernick and then let Driscoll mm-hmm. and Thad Lewis do their thing in the second half. Yeah. And then you switch it in, in game or week two of the preseason. You let the other guy get that first quarter. Right. And I think that would be the best way to do it. The most fair way, actually, because I think for Kaepernick's sake, he should get more time just because he, he hasn't been in the offense as long and he's been hurt. Give him more mm-hmm. time to be make sure he's fully healthy, set it up. So the second preseason game is his opportunity to take the job. And if he doesn't, most teams want to have, by the third preseason game, and Chip Kelly has mentioned it before too. Right. Um, that that's when you want to have your starters. That's when the starters play the longest, play through the whole first half, and even into the second half, you want to have your first team running together. So I think before the third preseason game is when they're going to make that that decision. So I think uh, Gabbert starts game one. I think Cap probably starts game two. And if Cap doesn't win the job in game two, it's the Blaine Gabbert show. Ah, I think you're right on. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense with the whole injury to Kaepernick and everything. Um, but do you think who do you think is going to win? I mean, I know it's early, and you know we could talk about this every week. And do you we think will. Gabbert, Gabbert's <laughs> going to take this thing? I think he will because Cap has to really wow. It, there has to be a wow factor there. He has to be like, okay, we can't put this guy on the bench. I think that's what Kaepernick right. has to do to win the job. I think if it's a tie, it goes to Gabbert. I think Gabbert just makes quicker decisions. I think he'll be more careful with the ball. And he's probably just had more time to, you know, get get in there. He's he's his foot's been in the door longer with Chip Kelly. So that's what I expect to see there. And actually, I do have a quote here from Chip Kelly. Let's play this because it, it has to do with what we're talking about. Again, and I've told everybody that the depth chart's written in sand right now. It really okay. doesn't mean anything. Who's going against who? We're just trying to get reps, trying to get quality film on so we can teach our guys in the classroom. Um and and then get an understanding of what they understand, you know. So it's it's a really a work in progress. And until we start to get, you know, honing in on that third preseason game, you start to kind of put the group together, and you know, um, what will probably be somewhat close to the group that we'll play when we play against the Rams. So that was Chip with Murph and Mac on KNBR uh, right after that first unofficial depth chart was released by the 49ers. So he's really saying that it's a lot of jobs are still wide open. And I think coaches are always going to say that, but I think on this team, that's the truth in a lot of spots. Right. I could not agree with you more. I'm so looking forward to, to Sunday, just seeing these guys uh, strap it on. And, uh, and, and like you said, man, let's see who can make this 53 man roster. I know that, you know, there's a couple weeks until that actually happens, but it's going to be fun to see, all these young guys out there as well strap on the helmets and, and start beating up someone else for a change. Yeah, and you know what? It's really odd that the defenses look so good in shorts because usually that's when offenses tend to get right. You know, to get the advantage, and the little quick guys are able to run away guys and not be able to get hit. In the first preseason game, we're going to get a chance to see Bowman hit people. We're going to get a chance to see <laughs> Buckner and Armstead move people around, right? And we're going to get a chance to see the offensive line go forward and really – uh, knock some people around and, and Carlos Hyde do his thing. So that's 
that's what I'm looking forward to. Some real football, some real hitting, some real power football. I will say there's one more note on the depth chart. If you guys go to 49ers.com or if you follow the beat writers, you've probably seen a copy of this unofficial depth chart. It was pretty much spot on exactly what I saw today, who was getting uh, first, second, third team reps. With one exception, it has Vance McDonald here listed as the starter. Garrett Selleck was the first tight end out, and then uh, Vance was the next guy in. And that's really, pretty much what you thought was going to yeah, happen. And that's sort of what I thought. And that's kind of what, and, and you know, they might, all these tight ends might be used all in different ways. In, different in, packages. Sure, right, sure. Exactly. And use their strengths. So Garrett Selleck may not end up being the guy who gets all the receptions, but I think he is probably the best blocker, the best inline traditional tight end blocker. And he was on the field first today. So I will say that. Copy that. Hey, can't wait, man. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. It's awesome, yeah. And we'll come back and we'll talk about that first preseason game after we see it, and hopefully uh, no major scrapes and nobody gets hurt and they don't get entangled up and have a huge brawl. Although that would be exciting to talk about <laughs> with the, right, with the, dude. Just the personalities on that Texans team. There's a lot of guys that I would probably, if I was a football player, want to fight because yeah, you know, they just have that attitude. And Bill O'Brien, I would probably want to fight him too. He has that same attitude where he just thinks he's super badass. Oh, I love Hard Knocks. You get to, yeah. Oh, I, the, I could have cared less about the Texans a year ago until I watched Hard Knocks. Exactly. And I, the Cardinals. I hate seeing the Cardinals, yeah. and now the Rams are on Hard Knocks, and I haven't seen the first episode just aired actually yesterday, I believe, right? Yeah, last night I haven't watched it either. Yeah, so I don't want to get, I don't want to start having warm and fuzzies about the division rivals, but. And it's just, it's just going to happen, though. Yeah, these shows are fun to watch. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you after that first preseason game. I can't wait. Some real football is happening this weekend on Sunday. Uh, where are you watching the game? Uh, I'll actually be listening to it as I'm driving up to Pinecrest. I'm going on vacation. Oh, nice. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i get to watch it play-by-play play when I get back. Yeah. So, what about you? You doing anything for the game? Uh, I have to work that night, so I'll be working and keeping one eye on it. But like you, watching it in full later, I've got the, uh, the replay. So I'll be able to watch that thing on the, the coach's tape later the next day when that's up. So, yeah, it's nice. awesome. I recommend the... Uh, Game Pass or whatever they call that. I don't know. They have different levels at the NFL.com, but but they're they're awesome to be able to go back and watch any of the games you want whenever you want. Seeing some of that coach's film, and I have to use the coach's film to do some of the pro football focus work I do. I'm going to be doing a lot of routes this season, and uh, I've requested the 49ers to be nice. I might be able to might be breaking down every single route that 49ers receivers are run if I get uh, some 49ers games. But we'll see. It's going to be fun. Yeah, that sounds ideal, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Follow him at BD Peacock on Twitter. I'm at Bay Area Wink. Follow our Instagram at Gold Faithful Podcast. Uh, download us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, leave a review. Yes. All that great stuff. All those things. And we'll talk to you on Twitter between now and the next show. See you.